So, Jana, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Electoral College. And Wait, Pate, then- rewind. Did you? I thought at one point you said Electoral Collagen. Like, the- I, <laughs> I don't like, think I said that. Electoral Collagen, like, isn't it a vitamin? What is collagen? I don't know. Anyway, oh, I'm... It's what? A supplement, like, for your Ooh, body. Yeah, you take a shot at because you think it'll, like, it's make like, you look pretty. you can get vitamins with... Yeah. yeah, is it for, like, your hair or something? I don't fucking know. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm being manic. Danner, the floor... No, I'm me. being manic. Why did you just <laughs> let me, like, go off on that question? I was, like, answering Dude, the question I wrote the question and it's horrible. I wrote the question and it's so manic and I can't believe I just made you ask What's it. the deal with the Electoral <laughs> College? <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens, our podcast where we talk about feminism in pop culture. I'm Nellie. And I'm Pate. This week, we're continuing our election-themed content as we rapidly approach the November 3rd election. We are thrilled to be discussing the 2020 Netflix and Vox docuseries, Whose Vote Counts Explained. Whose Vote Counts Explained is about, quote, Untangling fears about the voting process being rigged by powerful donors and corporations, gerrymandering, the Electoral College, voter suppression, fraud at the ballot box, and the ways votes are counted, end quote. Thanks, Wikipedia. I can't think of a better series to watch and talk about in these final days of voting for, the, for this year's elections. Also, Whose Vote Counts Explained is narrated by Leonardo DiCaprio, Selena Gomez, and John Legend, so you should want to watch it anyways, but getting to hear these stars' voices is def a bonus. This week, we are joined by a politics scholar with a passion for voting, Danner Martin. Danner is a senior at Swanee, the University of the South, majoring in politics with a minor in international and global studies. She is a Swanee's Newman Campus Compact Fellow and works to support Swanee Votes, the campus democratic engagement initiative. She has been a student senator for the Student Government Association for three years in college, an intern for the Legal Aid Society of Middle Tennessee and the Cumberlands, a former intern for the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, and a long-term work-study office assistant for the Office of Civic Engagement at Swanee. We don't typically dish out our guests' entire resume in the intro, but we just wanted to hammer home that when it comes to talking about voting, especially on Swanee's campus, Danner is your girl. We are thrilled to have her as our guest this week and to talk about whose vote counts explained. Welcome, Danner. Oh my god. Hey guys. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm so excited to be here. I'm wearing my Call Congress sweatshirt. Can you see it? In honor. We love. So cute. I'm so excited. Oh, yay. I'm so glad that you're here, my pal, my queen. Um, fun fact to those who are listening, Jenner and I lived in D.C. together last summer, so we were big, big um, politics squirrels, government squirrels together. <laughs> In 2008, in 2019, not 2020, because fuck 2020. Mm-hmm. I'm just pretending like that summer didn't exist this past yeah. summer. Other than this podcast, that was a plus of that all. But <laughs> this summer was like so strange. It didn't feel like a summer. Like kind of horrible. Kind of horrible. 
But also just a little housekeeping before we dive in, be sure to follow us here on Spotify and on Instagram at Feminist Fiends so you can stay up to all things us. Also, remember to stick around for action items at the end of the episode as always. Now, without further ado, let's dive in. Okay, so Danner, I know Pate read a little synopsis of your experience surrounding this topic in particular, um, much of which I knew about beforehand, but also stole all of that info from LinkedIn. So shout out to your LinkedIn. I'm sure you saw that I looked at it. That was why. Um, <laughs> but I'd love to hear more about your passions for this topic and how you got involved um, in Swanee Votes in particular and just kind of what, why, more so if you can answer like why we would even want to have you come talk about this topic. Because I personally think that you're like a genius <laughs> surrounding all of this, but I'd love to hear it in your words. Oh my God. Well, thank you. Um, that is my whole LinkedIn, but I, I love to hear it read. It makes me feel <laughs> Um, yeah, a close I, reading of your LinkedIn bio. <laughs> a close reading. <laughs> love it. Um, makes me sound like smarter than I am. Um, I, yeah, I don't know where to start. I guess growing up, I always grew up in like a very politically active household. We were always listening to like NPR, the news. My dad was always re reading the paper. So we were always just like plugged in to current events and voting. Um, and then it wasn't until the 2016 election that I really understood like the nuances of government and politics and like presidential elections, but I couldn't vote in 2016. And then Donald Trump got elected. And then I went to college um, where I could just like free think in the liberal arts. And I declared a major in politics. And so then through that, I just became a lot more involved and invested in kind of the democratic process. And then I started working for the Office of Civic Engagement my sophomore year, where the Swanee Votes program is housed. And in 2018, where the midterm elections and Swanee Votes started to become really active on campus, and I saw the work that they were doing, and it was just a natural fit for me to be interested involved, and involved. So I supported them a little bit just through my work in the Office of Civic Engagement as a work study. And then... This year, senior year, um, Loring, who is the director of that program, she needed someone else to work for her, like kind of in a more permanent role than just like an assistant. Um, so I started doing that for her and it kind of fulfills my project with the Newman Campus Compact Fellowship, which I was awarded just in recognition of like commitment to the betterment of social justice issues on campus and just advocacy work. Um, so that was another retelling of my LinkedIn, but that is where I am at now. Um, and just as a politics major, I was, uh, I've been like following elections and the political process all through college. And now in my senior, senior seminar is all about voting and like everything that has to do with voting. So it's been on the mind lately. Sweet. Well, um, I'm excited. I hadn't watched... Um, I believe that this docu-series only came out a couple weeks ago, if I'm, if I understand correctly. I should probably know that for the sake of this podcast. Yeah, I hadn't seen so, it yet until you sent it to me. Yeah, but I hadn't, I had been wanting to watch it, and then, <laughs> so I'm grateful that I feel like it was kind of the best fit when it came to talking with you about voting, and, but it really does dive into so many of these other issues that are so connected to voting as well. Um, so I guess we should just dive into our 
our quest the questions that we have for you if that's okay yeah. um okay so first question in regarding this uh three-part mini-series tv show yeah docuseries and also too just for listeners um i think we'll talk more about like this later but this docuseries is a very quick watch um i think oftentimes i think of docuseries as being like five part one hour like hour and a half like like the handful of other docuseries i've seen are quite quite a bit longer but this is only three 25 minute episodes so um, I didn't even realize that when I like sat down to watch it. So keep that in mind because it's a very quick watch and obviously very um, connected to the the current climate and also just always because <laughs> democracy is hopefully always in existence. <laughs> I was just saying we're, we're trying to save it this year. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to save her. Trying to save Bless. our queen democracy. <laughs> we love. The US of A. Bless. But yeah, it's a nice quick 20 to 25 minutes, an episode of Schitt's Creek. You can just (laughs) pop on over and watch this. And it's really helpful. I felt like I was like getting a recap of my AP Gov class senior year of high school. But this was, had Leonardo DiCaprio and graphics. So much better. (laughs) Sorry, Miss Rush, if you're listening. Um, Didn't mean that. Okay. To the questions. All right. So after watching specifically, I think the first episode really focused on like voter suppression and like voter laws and stuff like that. Um, What or do you think the right to vote is slipping back? Um, And then furthermore, in 2020, how is this pandemic affecting people's ability to vote? So my heart wants to say no, that the right to vote isn't slipping back. And I I really don't think it is because so many more people are enfranchised to vote, have the right to vote since the Constitution was written. And then multiple years later in the 1920s, when women finally got the right to vote. Um, And so more and more people are able to vote and have access to vote. Right. Like so many more people are turning 18 this year and are eligible to vote. And so I don't I don't think it's slipping back. But there is a major but there because there are so many efforts to suppress the right to vote and to make it so difficult for so many people um, that that just can't be looked over when talking about voting because it is voting is one of the simplest, easiest ways to engage with the democratic process. But it is so hard for so many people. The the laws that we have surrounding like electoral procedures, so like having really strict voter ID laws, like in Tennessee, you have to have a state issued photo ID. So if you don't have a driver's license or a passport, like you can't vote. And there are access barriers to that. Uh, when polling locations are only open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., that's when people are at work and don't have time to stand in line late at night when they have to take care of their kids. Um, Election day is not a holiday, so when people have to miss work to go stand in line to vote, that's essentially a modern day poll tax, which is illegal um, because it prevents so many people from accessing voting. Um, So there are just so many ways that it is made so difficult and needs, and our election process needs major reforms to make it better and easier for everyone. But I I don't want to say that it's slipping back because that would just make me feel so bad and I and I really don't think it is um because it's just like the simplest easiest way to access and engage with the democratic process um and then in regards to the pandemic I mean the pandemic is so scary 2020 is so scary that 
voting shouldn't be like you shouldn't have to put your life at risk to vote and that's essentially what some people are wanting you to do side note like how partisan can i be whatever okay. you're comfortable partisan like <laughs> what please be partisan also i mean if you would like whatever you are comfortable having on the internet we are comfortable having on the internet okay. because that's my perspective Paige. do you have a, we don't have a written agreement of anything okay. <laughs> i'm like partisan like the most partisan we were is during rbg when we were like oh yeah i guess some republicans are okay I literally have said, fuck Amy Comey, Comey Barrett on this podcast. Oh, yeah. And okay. I've also said, like, fuck Trump and fuck <clears throat> And so, I mean, and we've also just blatantly been like, Pate's been like, oh, I, like, I just keep falling for Republicans. It's a problem. Like, we've literally <laughs> made those jokes before. So, I mean, like, okay, okay. we love and accept everyone here um, to a certain extent, I think. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah. We, but if we you value- like... If you're, like, concerned about representing Swanee votes in a partisan way, I get that. Well, um, yeah, I'll just say, because Swanee Votes is a nonpartisan organization, so I have to be nonpartisan when I work for them, but all all thoughts are my own in this yes. context. Um, I'm not speaking for Swanee Votes. Um, so, back to the pandemic. Basically, Donald Trump wants you to stand in line and die for the right to vote. That is a notion of like pre-1960s Voting Rights Act where like John Lewis was beat within an inch of his life for their right to vote. Um, we, we live in a so-called like progr- like advanced democracy where that should not be happening. So, and Democrats, liberals, people with brains understand that. Um, and so that's why absentee voting and mail-in voting has been so encouraged and widely used this election cycle like more than it ever has been before yeah that's i mean the basics i mean covid has made everything so difficult because when you go into vote if you go into like your polling location you're probably most of us live in like small medium-sized cities um so you're just going in there's probably going to be a few people there but you're you know typically sharing the same pens tapping the same screens and like per COVID guidelines, like you can't do that. That's not safe. You can't gather in buildings with large amounts of people, strangers you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why it's like so scary for a lot of people to vote, elderly people, immunocompromised people. Um, and that's why like the right to vote absentee for any reason in a state is being fought for so much um, because like people should not have to die to participate in their democracy. Um, and now I know election, that's not to like shit on election commissions in like small towns. They are doing like so much and trying so hard to be safe. I early voted in August in our primary election and I voted in person and they gave us like single use pens. We had little like, um, little like sticks to tap the screen with that were like single use. Stylus. Yeah, like a little, yeah, we had like little stylus and single use. We love a Blackberry. (laughs) (laughs) On one of those like giant computer screens. Nice. Um, so they are being so safe, but in general, it's not safe to like be out and about right now. Um, and then, so then there's the rhetoric of fraud and absentee voting and mail-in voting, which is just absolute bullshit, like lies. There are marginal rates of fraud in like any election, but especially when people use paper ballots, like that is so hard to commit fraud with um so those are just like absolute lies that are being spewed on one side 
Um, yeah, I've never seen an electronic ballot in my life because Massachusetts, I, but at least the town I live in, but I'm pretty sure the state of Massachusetts uses exclusively paper ballots. Um, and I've never seen, like, I knew that it existed, but some, like, there were so many things about this documentary where I was getting, like, reminders of things that happen elsewhere, like, not to say, obviously, like, voter suppression, I'm sure, happens in Massachusetts. I'm sure a whole slew of things are happening here. I'm not, I do not buy into the concept that this is a liberal oasis. It's, like, not. I mean, it is a blue state, but Boston has a whole slew of racial issues, and um the state as a whole has a lot of work to do in my opinion still but in terms of what I appreciate about the documentary is how it highlights places that have always had early voting have always had mail-in voting like allow you to register the day of an election and things like that and it's interesting how it talks about how places like um like Massachusetts, I didn't know, and maybe we've had, I know that we've had early voting and I've gone to vote early for state and local elections. Like I remember before I studied abroad, I went to like, that was in 2018. So I went to get like, make sure that I was registered for an absentee ballot for the 2018 primary or the 2018 election. Um, And then, but I guess the state and local primaries were happening. I was, it was around the time where you could vote for early for the local, the state and local elections, but I didn't realize my brother and I, like we showed up and they were like, well, you can vote early for this one. I was like, I haven't done any of my research. Like Seamus and I were like scrambling on my phone to be like, okay, what candidates am I looking at? Which goes to show I would never dream of like doing that now because I feel like I'm even, that was two years ago. And I even feel like I'm even more plugged in on state and local elections now, especially because now I live here for the time being, <laughs> um, more permanently. Um, but yeah, it's just wild too, to think about like what you were saying, Danner, the, how much work is going into not, uh, like not letting votes count, not, um, allowing people to vote. And it's really kind of, again, not any new information, but I think the documentary does a really good job of kind of highlighting like the literacy tests that were like the how high is up yeah and that's not that different than like the bullshit that's happening now um in terms of voter suppression and it's just like especially the the racial and um i mean they're not they're interchangeable but like the racial components connected to like the connected convicted felons and voter suppression it's just all so it's stuff that like I feel like I knew but I just think the docuseries does a really good job of like giving you kind of a snapshot of all the facts yeah no I think yeah it is it's nothing new it's been happening for so long but it's another one of those things that's highlighted by kind of the age of information and the social media age that we live in because more now than ever people can like live stream from the three hour long lines they have to wait in versus before like nobody was gonna like exit poll a black person and ask them how long they had to wait to vote but now like everybody's on their phone and sharing that information so it's it's just presented in a new way and people are now really starting to confront it especially as I think even more so when we kind of are in this like state of like racial reckoning and how voter suppression tactics are really targeted still at black and indigenous people of color in this country and 
low-income people in this country. Um, and so that's something that is really being, like we're really confronting as a nation. And I think hopefully we can start to change some laws, make things, things easier for people to um, engage in our election process. I think the way that particularly following the murder of George Floyd and the kind of reignition of the Black Lives Matter movement, it never went away, but I think it was following that very much, um, it was on people's minds more than it had been, I think. And I think seeing the ways in which resources are being circulated and how I think, I'd like to think that people are now kind of prioritizing that circulation of resources. Um, I hope they're prioritizing that alongside like actual action. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that, and, and kind of that combined with the circumstances of the pandemic and how I think people are way obviously on their phones even more than they already were um, paying attention to things that are being circulated and learning that they really have, they can use Instagram and Twitter as these tools to share information. I think I'm hoping will end up being a positive, have a positive impact on this election. I know that you're doing all this work with social media and how it can have probably a, the opposite impact um, on elections, but I'm hoping that kind of this sequence of events that have happened throughout 2020 have definitely have lit a fire under people's asses to be like, okay, we need to like draw attention to these issues that have always existed, but like actually demand change. I don't know. This is like probably be me, me, being, me being overly hopeful. I don't know that I actually feel this way. <laughs> I'm like, ah, I'm seeing change and then I'll get, I'll get too hopeful and then be upset. I'm sure inevitably, yeah. but yeah. No, I think it definitely will. We're, we're on a good path. We're trying. <clears throat> it really makes me like continually learn about the privilege I have when I watch things like that and see things on social media because I know like I am not voting early I'm voting on voting day because um I live in a or I grew up I lived with my parents in a predominantly white wealthy neighborhood and I can go walk to my polling station in the gymnasium of the elementary school I went to, have no line, everyone gets their own pen, socially distant, like I have that privilege and I don't think it is a coincidence because of the demographics of where I grew up. And then 10 minutes away, who knows what people who live in Birmingham have to do in order to vote. I know, though that um, there was so much early turnout one weekend at the courthouse that people decided to do it for another weekend. And this past Saturday, um, there was a huge voter turnout for early voting. And that was just wonderful to see as Birmingham is, you know, one of the few blue cities in Alabama. Very proud of that. But, um, you know, it is something that I'm becoming more aware about and have to like be conscious about and recognize like I ha I'm able to like walk into my polling station and vote and not have to deal with m like mailing it in and not have to wonder oh is my like ballot going to be counted yes because I'm young and can like go in there and not worry about COVID but also I know where I'm going is safe and I won't have to wait three hours in line 
No, for sure. Do you remember like when and how you registered to vote? Like, was it in high school? Um, yes, but yes. Yeah. No, just because I had the same experience. I was 17, but I was in Tennessee, like you're able to register. If you're like a year within turning 18, you can go ahead and like register and then you're like on the log. And they came to my high school. I, outside the cafeteria, I like filled out this piece of paper and submitted it and I was registered to vote. And then the next election cycle, it was like some local election. It was so easy for me to just walk in. I had my like voter registration card, but they like, that doesn't happen in low income schools and inner city schools. So then people have to go out of their way to figure out how to vote, how to register to vote. And, you know, for the most part, you can do a Google search and kind of figure it out. But if you don't have access to a computer, if you maybe don't have the highest level of education, you don't have these certain resources to kind of to understand like political, like government jargon, like you're not going to understand that you're not going to to do that. So it's definitely, it's, it really is also a matter of confronting like our privilege as white people who have always been able to vote, like not totally. women, but yeah, my AP long. Gov teacher, I think literally gave you bonus points if you like shown her that you registered to vote, which is a great incentive to get like young people to vote. But like, you know, not everyone gets that chance. And I remember specifically uh, in 2018, when Doug Jones was running against Roy Moore, mm-hmm. um, I went to the Birmingham <clears throat> courthouse just to make sure that my absentee ballot was sent to Swanee because I wasn't going back to Swanee without making sure I was getting that absentee ballot because I was not going to not vote in that election. (laughs) And there was a woman there about the age of my grandmother and she was registering to vote for the first time. And like, she had someone like bring her there. Like I think one of her like kids or something like drove her there and it, that was just like very powerful to me to like recognize like this woman has not voted and she saw the importance of this election that she was going to like go and vote. And I mean, I'm, I'm guessing she wasn't going to vote for Roy Moore because like fingers crossed she didn't. <laughs> Dana, I remember that you um, helped me request my absentee ballot in the office of civic engagement for this primary this um presidential primary fun fact oh, really? so yeah well oh, like i'm sure no i don't think i it would have taken me significantly longer if i had attempted to do it by myself so this is a plug for the oc you just go by and they will help you it's kind of well i don't think it's too late for this coming election but this episode really do be coming out on friday so you're going to be cutting it kind of close but you're in a pinch but in the future they're there for you we'll help you Go hang out. It's a cool place. Um, moving on to the next question. Um, I know we touched a little bit um, on this last week when we talked with Dr. Schneider about Knock Down the House, um, but I'd love to talk about it a little bit more um, or just touch on it. Mm-hmm. How does money impact elections? And also, Danner, if you want to share a little bit about um, what you're studying, because I do feel like money and social media are very interconnected, but no pressure. Um, I can always cut that part if you're like, no, I don't want to talk about that, but um, the floor is yours. Um, yeah, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on campaign finance because it is so confusing, um, which is one of the issues with campaign finance. And it's like one of those things I've studied a few times, never like too in depth, but like in classes, we've definitely talked about it. And it is it goes over my head. Like I do not understand numbers, but what I can say is that money in politics, it 
it is so inter intertwined with politics. And what I thought was interesting from this series is they point out that like, even though like Hillary Clinton outspent Donald Trump and she still didn't get elected. So like, why did she spend so much money? Um, and really the only thing I can think of is honestly because we can, because we are able to like Citizens United like guarantees that we can, um, which I think the miniseries did a really good job of explaining as well, because that's like the central decision SCOTUS ruling that um, like indoctrinated like the ability to spend unlimited amounts of money in elections. Um, and it's so just because like corporations can, people can, they're going to finance whoever they like, because I mean, it is really expensive to buy airtime, um, to hire people to run your campaign. And so it, I don't know. I don't know. It's wild because I didn't realize that, um, I don't know if this is common knowledge, but I feel like because I didn't know it, maybe it's not, um, or I'm just, I live under a rock. Um, I didn't realize that Hillary spent more than Trump. I just assumed that he had spent more because he's a billionaire. So I literally was like, okay, I feel like I'm, again, grateful for this docuseries, but I feel like I had always been like, oh, it's a person with the most money that wins. And it's clear that like, talking about knocked down the house last week AOC raised like I don't know it said in this in this series it's like a quarter or something of how yeah. much um I can't remember his name but the other dude the incumbent had raised so like she had a he lot actually raised 10 times more 10 times more yeah, yeah a lot more so it's clear that like that isn't the case but obviously money does matter so it's just kind of a um but like you said Danner the fact that like this is something that no one really knows anything about. Like, I do think that, that not no one, if you're, if you like specialize in campaign yeah. finance, then yes, you know, but like, hypothetically, it's every, hypothetically, everyone should know about this because it, it has such an imp impact on elections, but like, it's very clearly not common knowledge of like how spending works and like, I mean, I had heard of super PACs and dark money groups, um, but I don't think I fully understood like how all of that operated. And it's just scary. Like it, it just like plays into kind of this whole notion that like we really don't have control on like what we're viewing, what we're, what we're contributing to, like who is contributing, like, and, and I remember, cause this is the episode that Selena Gomez um, <laughs> narrates fun fact, but she's like, and that's just the money we know about. And I was like, Ugh. I was like, that's the money we know about. We still know very little about it. I'm like, this is so scary. Like, um, <laughs> I sound so basic. This is so scary. No, I sound so basic. But it is scary, Nellie. That is not basic. <laughs> it's scary that we don't know who's funding our politicians. It also just like is wild. Um, I didn't realize um, cause there's this part where it shows kind of all the faces of folks who didn't take money from these big corporations and it's like Bernie and AOC and Liz Warren. And then, um, quite a few Republicans, which I didn't realize I can't name any of them cause I didn't really know any of them cause I'm not really paying attention to them. Sorry. Um, but, uh, but of course it's like very few people and a lot of people say that they're not, I remember in knock down the house. It's interesting to like, think about these back to back, but there's, uh, a part in that they show where they have someone raise their hand if they're not taking money from big corporations. Um, 
and like so many people raise their hand, but it's because they're able to say, oh, because it's through this political nonprofit, it's not a big corporation or things like that. Like they're able to loophole and say, I'm not taking money from these things. So anyway, I'm definitely going down a wormhole that we probably can't go down, but it's just all very scary. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're so right. There's just, it's one of those things that like is so nuanced and so complicated and a lot of it does happen behind closed doors and like in these really subtle ways as the miniseries points out that, yeah, you can tell us about like Citizens United and the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act and you can tell us about all of that, but it's not really stopping anybody from taking like these large sums of money from these billionaires and then getting like policies made kind of in their, in their own favor. Um, So then it controls our politics. And that is really what frustrates a lot of people with politics, especially on the federal national level, because like you feel like you have no say because a corporation or a large private interest group is funding the politics and the policies that govern us but it is so, so complicated. Danner, you're just so smart. I can tell you're like currently in college. I can like hear it in your voice that you're like, and we are not. Of being in class <laughs> and we sound like, we sound like dumb dummies. I but. can't even re like recap the last night's episode of The Bachelorette without having an aneurysm. <laughs> okay, shall we go on to the next question? Let's do it. Also, before we do, Nelly, you can keep this in or you can take this out. I just wanted to tell y'all. So my granddad has put me in a um, group message with a bunch of random numbers I've never met and sent me an hour-long YouTube video where it's this guy's sermon on basically telling his church why it's Christian to vote for Trump. It's not Christian to vote for Trump, hot take. And I watched 30 minutes of it, and I'm, like, writing um, a response to it. Um, And, yeah, so that's what's going on with me. That's what I have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. And someone just said, thank you so much for sending me this sermon. It is the best I have ever heard. I'm like, it's not. (laughs) It's not. You're so great. I am brave. Dana, thank you for recognizing that. You're so brave. Also, I'm sorry, but the Christian right, I'm literally taking the church back from you. I'm so tired of them fucking taking the church. No. Yeah. It doesn't belong to you. I'm a Christian. I'm a Democrat. And I'm proud. And you know what, baby? You can't tell me differently. Also, just like, um, Jesus Jesus would not fucking vote for Trump and that's the tea. That's and Jesus would have been fucking suppressed from voting because he because was, he was brown. He was brown. He was an immigrant. He probably wouldn't have even been able to do it at all. Well, he wasn't. He wouldn't be able to come even into the United States. He was a refugee. Time. Yeah, he would be like seeking asylum. No, I'm you should sorry. do a whole episode on Jesus. I'll do it. You know, <laughs> I'll do it. I get a religion like dude. I can here. get any priest in here. Just name a priest. I'll get them. <laughs> let's, like, actually think about this. Yeah, I'm going to get Thomas B. Literally, let's just get a big group of a bunch of priests. I know a bunch of badass women priests, too. Yes. Yeah. Danner, yeah, exactly. Yes, I am brave. Like, I'm coming from every angle. People are coming for me, and I'm just like... You fight through it. So, moving on to... Um, Kind of episode three, narrated by John Legend, um, kind of talked about different aspects of voter suppression that we don't think about, like gerrymandering and um, 
things like that. But so one of the questions that um, we have is, how does the Supreme Court affect voting, especially with regard to gerrymandering and the Electoral College? Um, what's the deal with the Electoral College? Um, you know, it's something that I grew up always being like, ah, yes, the Electoral College. And when I got to college, I realized that it actually has some problems. And, you know, it's not a bad thing to be able to look at your country and critique it and be like, is this something we need? So, Danner, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Electoral College. And Wait, Paint, rewind. Did you? I thought at one point you said Electoral Collagen. Like this. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like, think I said that. Electoral collagen, like, isn't it a vitamin? What is collagen? I don't know. Anyway, I'm. It's what? A supplement, like for your. Oh, yeah. You take a That's shot because you think it'll like, it's like you look pretty. You can get vitamins with. Yeah. yeah, is it for like your hair or something? I don't fucking know. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm being manic. Danner, the floor. No, I'm me. being manic. Why did you just <laughs> let me like go off on that question? I was like answering Dude, the question. I wrote the while question and it's horrible. I wrote the question and it's so manic, and I can't believe I just made you ask. What's it. the deal with the electoral <laughs> college? <laughs> no, it's that is a really good question because, like what is the electoral college what is the purpose of the electoral college the founder the founding fathers thought that it was like the solution to having like too many dumb people in like the 13 colonies because they were like okay all these people who just moved here they're not going to know about these like elite thoughts we have like going to the constitution we need to protect this so they made the electoral college where everybody gets like a certain number of like every state gets a certain number of electoral votes depending on like the population of that state so then it's like you, and this is why people feel like their vote doesn't count because like it, as people of Tennessee, Massachusetts, like you vote, but then you're really voting for like electors from the electoral college to then like cast the vote in the electoral college. And that's like really who elects the president. So it's this really outdated, complicated process because that was also when like we had only 13 colonies and not 50 states. Um, and it needs major reform because it does not, as we know from the 2016 election, it does not reflect the popular vote all the time. Um, and it's a lot of times decided by just a few cities and it is, it's not a direct vote for who is gonna be the leader of our nation, our executor, commander in chief. Um, and it needs a lot of reforms. And I thought it was interesting that the miniseries points out that to reform the electoral college we really have to reform the constitution and our make some kind of amendment um to abolish it and i just as like a constitution like nerd i feel like i thought that was really interesting just based on the amendment process you know it has to be um proposed in congress approved by a majority in congress and then implemented by a majority of states and that it just such a lengthy labor-intensive process that would be really difficult to carry out these days um so i thought that was really interesting i don't know it's another one of those things that is like so complicated and confusing for no reason similar to campaign finance and like voter suppression um like why does it exist why isn't it more simple to elect a president like why can't we elect them directly like from the people I mean, I can give you my dad and brother's response because, like, we had think? this conversation. Well, like, <clears throat> and granted, they are, like, very, very staunch, like, conservatives, like, very, like, 
constitutionalists, like Scalia mm-hmm. Republicans, um, their argument is that the underrepresented states need to like be able to have a, as much of a say. And, <clears throat> you know, my response kind of is just like your thoughts just now, like, well, and then also watching the documentary, it's like, it shouldn't, they talk about how like certain states, your vote counts more, like some states, your vote counts 10 times more than like my vote does. And I know as a Democrat in Alabama, like I could just be like, my vote doesn't count because it's going to be like over swept with all the Republican votes. And it's hard to like, you know, live in such a dominated state. I used to say when I was younger, I want to live in a swing state because then my vote will actually matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I just don't, you know, I feel like that is something that is problematic when you, when someone else's vote counts more than you just because of where you live. And why should someone in North Dakota, well, maybe not even North Dakota, but like, they're not a swing state. But that's like kind of the thought process is like, oh, yeah. well, someone in a, in a farm in North Dakota should have like, just as much of a say as the people in New York. Well, it's like, yeah, they honestly have now more of a say because of the electoral college. Yeah, and it's, I mean, that's definitely like the valid counter argument. And that is kind of like the, another argument of the founding fathers when they made this is like that everyone does, every state needs an equal say, but then not everyone's vote is equal or counts the same because for example, in Tennessee, Nashville is probably, it's, it's definitely a blue county um probably has the most people of all the counties in tennessee you know up there with memphis chattanooga and knoxville probably um but then like even though we're a blue county all our votes are going blue in the rural counties they're all voting red and but there's definitely less people there but our state's still going red so it's like my vote isn't really counting the same way versus if we had a direct popular vote like all my blue votes are going with like the blue in that blue pool and then eventually might be more to elect a democrat president and so yeah it just does not make sense like it really just does not make sense yeah and and then and then it seems like with regards to gerrymandering um i guess specifically like it doesn't have much of an effect on the electoral college, but correct me if I'm wrong, but it does affect outcomes in terms of the state and local elections or like the, I guess there's still federal elections, but federal federal representatives. See, like this just shows how little I know. Um, Even though like I did take politics classes in college, I took multiple, I literally took American government in college. So that's so much. Shout out to Clint Swift. Um, miss him he's a king I took that sophomore year though and I was drowning um but it seems like the solution from what I understood from the docuseries to gerrymandering would be the rank choice voting basically like like no matter how they draw the lines if like rank choice is taken into consideration then that will be the outcome will kind of be the same regardless um which is exciting to hear, at least in the case that, like, I've, I learned about rigged choice voting at Swanee because it was how the elections were run and I had to run elections at Swanee um, remotely this year, which was not fun. But, uh, and thanks to Kelsey Arbuckle, who I'm hoping that we have on here at some point, yeah. she kind of made that change happen. But mm-hmm. um, 
Massachusetts rank rank choice voting is on the ballot for Massachusetts this election, which is really exciting. Um, and I think it is a thing elsewhere. I mean, it, yeah, some other states do it. Um, not very many. I couldn't like name you which states do it. Yeah, um, I, I think it's less even than we think because I remember we talked about it on one, another episode just briefly, like similar to this, where I was like, yeah, it's on our ballot. And someone was like, it's actually very few states. I might do a quick Google search actually just to fact yeah. check myself. It's definitely, I mean, a lot of pretty much like I would say all European countries do ranked choice voting. Um, abroad, people do ranked choice voting. And so it's not a new concept, it's just new to America. Um, but it definitely, is a solution to a possible solution to the electoral college maybe even to prevent against gerrymandering and skewed districts to ensure that people's votes are votes and like opinions are heard equally and then we get a candidate that like gets a plurality of votes not just the majority um and represents everyone hopefully in the united states like if that makes sense where it's like there's did that make sense yeah Okay. Yeah. So it's definitely a solution and it is cool to see that it's on the ballot in um, Massachusetts and we've even done it here. So hopefully people become more familiar with it and it's a system that people realize like works and is representative of the United States in the way like we want things to be done and how we want to get people elected. Yeah. Um, it's exciting actually because when I did the quick Google search, the first thing that comes up is just how many colleges use it, which is exciting I, at least to see just, I feel like if you have the experience voting that way in college, you're like, yeah, why aren't we voting this way? You're able to like question the system a little bit more. At least that's my opinion. I'm like, okay, well, this seems like a way more fair system. But yeah, very few places do it. Um, there's like places that have advisory or option for future use. There are some places that use it for presidential nominations. And those places are Alaska, Nevada, Hawaii, Kansas, and Wyoming. And that's all voters in Democratic primary. So interesting. And um, Nevada, it says early voters in Democratic caucuses. And all of those were implemented in 2020. So it's very, very recent that places are putting this into. If you want more info, um, I'm getting this to our listeners. Um, if you want more info, I'm getting this information from fairvote.org. Fair wow, stumbling over my words. But no, that's really interesting. Hopefully, more and more states start to implement it and people see that this is a much more effective system. Um, it, yeah. I mean, interesting about the logistics of the Electoral College, it would take years and years to effectively abolish it or change it. But it, I could definitely see that. Well, I don't know if I'd say definitely because I'd love to see that in our lifetimes, but it yeah. seems like a stretch, yeah. but who knows? Like I said, I'm being kind of hopeful on this episode, which is not always the case. So um, here I am attempting to be hopeful. I'm sure I'll feel differently by the time this, this episode releases on Friday, but um, oh, sorry. The documentary just, I was just going to say the documentary does a good job of like showing you the, like the wrong, not the wrong things showing you things that are kind of like messed up in our democracy, but also giving you like hope and also reassuring you that change can happen when like you like believe in what you're doing and like work really hard to accomplish that. And I thought that was really well done by them. I also think another important thing to name is that like, while like we are very much speaking about this documentary from a like liberal perspective, 
it is relatively nonpartisan in terms of the, I mean, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but in terms of like just spe spelling the facts and having folks who um, from kind of both sides of the political spectrum represented in terms of that are speaking, um, it definitely does. I, I do think for a fact that like the three narrators are progressives, um, but oh, for sure, but um, so it may be leaning more on a progressive kind of um, uh, voice, but there are like, there's, it's definitely not just like exclusively like AOC and burn, like you don't see Bernie at all, but like, it's not just like AOC um, and Stacey Abrams, like exclusively, like there are other folks represented. So um, I think that also is important when talking about it to name that. Yeah. I love John Kasich. You love John love him. Kasich? As a person, like a republic, a former Republican governor who's voting for Joe Biden, we stand. Yeah, I have a soft spot for him. He's kind of dumb, but... Yeah, but like, he, I want him to be like my uncle, you know? Yeah, yeah if you love John Kasich, he do be in this. So you should watch <laughs> it for him. Also, Arnold Schwarzenegger, like he's in there. I cannot take him seriously, though. I literally, no. I don't think that I've like ever, like... He's such an enigma to me. I don't know that I've truly have ever like seen him dressed Literally. in like normal clothes and talking. Anyway, um <laughs> even though he do like he is just like a politician. But um okay, so Dana, are there any other we're definitely like pushing the limit on our on our timing, but are there any other topics related to the docuseries or voting in general that you want to touch on before we move to our age-old final question? Um, I would just say your vote matters. It really does. It is so important to engage with the democratic process, no matter your feelings about politics, Democrats, Republicans, you know, the Electoral College. It's, we can recognize we have a broken system, but it's the system we have. And if we all engage with it, that is a serious, substantial way to affect change to hopefully one day have po progressive policies, policies that we all like and benefit from and are supported by, you know, that are not suppressive and oppress the people we care about and love. And so it is really important to engage in the democratic process because it's one of the only, it's one of the simplest, easiest ways, although it has its own issues and challenges, it's one of the simplest ways to engage with the de democratic process. And we have to, we have to use it, we have to do it because people it and because people don't want us to republicans don't want us to donald trump doesn't want you to so we have to um it's your civic duty like just do it um just do it nike nike just do it, nike just do it. i'm danner and i'm just telling you to do it just, just do, do it. it not sponsored I not wish. sponsored by nike i wish <laughs> oh my god can you imagine a dream um and then one other thing I would say is that voting is only the first step to the democratic process, to democratic engagement. Once you vote, it is still up to you to hold your elected officials accountable, to let them know what you want, what you want to see. Um, you have rights to pro peaceful protest, to petition, petition and redress of the federal government. Use those rights, exercise them. Don't let these politicians just get elected and sit in Congress for years and not do anything for you. Like we pay their salaries, they work for us. So make sure you hold them accountable. 
there is so much more work that's to be done outside of voting. Um, so make sure you vote, but you have to keep working. There's more to do. Stay informed. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Tanner. Um, so just kind of quickly, we always ask this question kind of um, on Feminist Kids and Quarantine Queens. So I'm going to ask, is whose vote counts explained a feminist docuseries? What do we think, gals? Um, I would say I've so. been thinking about this. I think well, it Dana, is. Do you want to go? Because like normally our guests like are like I don't know, and then want to go last. But if you have an answer, girl, go. I just I think I would say so. I mean, I think the document itself, document documentary series, um, does a good job with representation. Um. With the commentators, I feel like there are a lot of women, a lot of people of color. Um, they really got at the heart of a lot of issues. And so in that aspect, I would say it was very intersectional. And these the issues of voter suppression and um, the electoral college maybe not being representative, they're still, although we may think that they focus on solely people of color, like women are, are people of color as well. Like women are in poverty as well. And so these are issues that don't just affect, like they affect you and me just, as, not just the same, but nearly the same as everyone else. And these are issues that we need to be informed about and pay attention to because very easily we could have our rights to vote taken away as women. Like, you know, we didn't get those rights until the 1920s in the 21st amendment. Um, and so I would say so. Yeah, I feel like it kind of plays into the MLK quote that I feel like everyone knows that's injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And I feel like drawing it, and we've, we've touched on this, but I would consider something to be intersectionally feminist as long as it's drawing attention on an, on an element of injustice. Um, so like when we talked about Get Out, we were talking about how like, yeah, there's not a female protagonist and the one female here is evil but like it very much is drawing attention to issues of race and this does that it talks about um i i think too thinking when watching it thinking about what's at stake especially with um the most recent supreme court um confirmation as well as just kind of what's at stake in this election both in terms of um uh rights surrounding race sexuality, um, immigration, uh, like any, like any kind of justice, um, or injustice, like is at stake in this, um, in this election. And so any kind of, in any marginal identity is, um, being put at risk, I guess. It's not to say that they're all equal to one another. I don't think that my identity as a straight white woman is nearly the same as a queer person of color. Um, and I'm not trying to say that at all. But like you said, Danner, I think this docuseries is a really good job of drawing attention to the issues that um, we should be concerned about because they're affecting our democracy. Um, so I won't say any more than that. But yes, I think it's feminist and I, I recommend watching it. I just want to go on the record, um, my brain is fried, and the 21st Amendment uh, repealed prohibition, and it's actually the 19th Amendment that gave women the right to vote, so just want to clear that out. Both were driven Tanner, by women. <laughs> I wouldn't have known the difference. Like, you could have told me it was the Fifth Amendment, and I would, I would have been like, she's got hey, all the hey. She's got all the amendments in her brain. They're all, they're all jumbled around in there. 
I do remember the Fourth Amendment. You don't have to let soldiers live in your house. Yeah, so I I don't even know if I could add more to what you two queens had just said, but yes, I think it's a feminist film. I think it is doing its part in trying to educate people on not only our history, but also our current events. And it's also trying to take a stand on um, marginalized communities and people that are not you know, getting their full rights. And I think that is empowering. I think that is feminist. And I think this is a great docuseries that everyone should watch, uh, especially if you love America. <laughs> like so many people claim. Claim. Yeah. Keyword. So let's move on to our action items. Um, I do want to name that, like, we have two former, like, our two former episodes kind of also talked about the election, the upcoming election, and action items surrounding that, so I want to plug those if you're looking for um, additional action items. They live there. Go check them out. Um, I, I think the number one resource that I want to plug is watching this docuseries, just because I think it's a huge opportunity to learn about all of these issues. Um, like, like we said, the most you're going to take is... Um, I can't do the math at 325 minute episodes are roughly an hour and a half, less than that. Um, just watch it. And so, like we said, it's made by Netflix and Vox. So if you go, the source that Vox plugs is vox.com slash vote. Um, and they specifically have, um, when we all vote, which is, I think a really great resource that I had used before. So I want to plug that. And then also vote411.org, which is the League of Women Voters, um, Obviously, like when this episode comes out, we're going to be pretty darn close to the election, but it doesn't mean that we should at all be releasing our feet from the gas because we need to, we need to really be, this should be our main focus right now if it isn't already, which um, for people like Danner, it's been, it's been their focus. Um, But yeah, so vote or vox.com slash vote or backslash vote and then vote411.org. Um, so my resources, one is very just similar to the ones we've done in the past. Um, it's different than vote411.org. It's just vote.org. Um, I think it essentially does a lot of the same things our previous, um, websites we've told you about, but it'll give you all the information you need to know, um, where your polling place is, things like that, which, you know, hopefully you already know that, but if you don't, this is a great resource for you to check out. My second resource is more about voter suppression. Um, the ACLU um, has a full like page on their website about how to get involved, how to donate, how to learn more about voter suppression. Um, and so I would recommend that y'all check that out if you are um, willing to, because voting is a right and some people are not allowed that. Tanner, you already gave us such wonderful words of wisdom earlier, but if there's anything else you'd like to plug, um, now's the time. Um, No, those are all awesome resources. They're great to stay informed about voting procedures, what you need to vote. Um, I would just encourage everyone to make sure you make a plan to vote before the election and every upcoming election. It's really important to not just vote in only presidential elections, but also, also your local and state elections because those most of the time affect you more than a presidential election will. Um, And then just in general to do your own research on issues. If you are curious about something, go out of the way to learn more about it. If you see something in the news you're confused about, 
do some research. It's not too hard. We have Google for a reason. Um, just take the time to be informed about what's going on around you because it's so important to know what's up. Absolutely. Um, well, Danner, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Um, before we move to our closing quote, is there any, like, do you want to plug any of your social media, any of, um, the, like, any of the things you work with, whatnot? Um, no follow pressure. Me, follow me on Instagram at Danner Doing Things. You can follow Swanee Votes on Instagram at Swanee Votes for some nonpartisan voter engagement info. Um, add me on LinkedIn, Danner Martin. I really need a job. So I think that's it. Um, thank you guys so much for having me. This was so fun. So much fun. I'm so glad to see your face on Zoom. It makes me happy. And to talk to you about something that you are so well-versed in. So, Okay, so we're going to have a funny quote and a serious quote. And the funny They're quote both is kind me. of serious. They're both kind of serious when you think deeply yeah. about them. But so, this one is funny. <clears throat> this is from Gunning Bedford, one of the founding fathers. Or Gunning Bedford Jr., excuse me. One of the founding fathers from tiny Delaware. Um, <laughs> and when, um, you know, the founding fathers were getting together, making our great country and all the different processes, he was from the tiny state of Delaware, as we know, and thought that the bigger states were going to, you know, take advantage of him. And he said to them, I do not, gentlemen, trust you. And that is just a quote that has lasted centuries. And I think that we should, by. You know, should continue it on. So thank you, Gunning. Alexander Hamilton, I don't know him. But Gun He's Gunning Bedford Jr., I simply, I stand yeah. for him. <laughs> Alexander Hamilton couldn't say that, but Gunning Bedford could do Hamilton. I just love the guy, for reference, um, everyone should watch docuseries literally specifically for this, but the guy's literally like, my favorite founding father, and I'm like, who is this man's? And then he says this quote, and I lost it. So, anyway, Danner, please share us your quote, or share with us, God, I can't speak. <laughs> please share like, with us your quote. <laughs> I started doing this thing where I cry anytime someone brings up like just like the importance of democracy and voting and like changing um, our society. And so this quote, it's at the very end of the docuseries, um, but it was just so powerful about like why it's so important to be engaged in our society, in our democratic process. And it's, the founders didn't want slavery to end and it did. The founders didn't want women to vote and they do. Free public education wasn't considered a right and we have it. So I don't think giving up is a sensible response. And so we have work to do. Carol Birkin. Yeah. Queen. Thank you, Carol. Thanks, Carol. Thanks, Carol. And thanks, Danner. Um, this has been Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens. See thanks, you next Heather. week. Bye. Bye.